Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. All right, today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with the fourth verse. We're going to do a lot of learning, and uh, I think, you know, last month uh, our focus was, certainly I am a disciple. Oh, that wasn't exciting. Say it again. I am a disciple. Okay. Now, we're not just dumping on you, you know, here's seven things we want you to do. This needs to come out of who you are. I am a disciple. Because I'm a disciple, I read my Bible daily. And last month, we talked about the importance of God's word. But this month, we're on point number two. We're dealing with the issue that we pray continually. The New King James Version, the King James Version says, I pray unceasingly. Other versions say, I pray always. So this month, we're going to dig into why we pray and also a little bit about how we pray. So we're going to learn and stretch because of what we cover this month. Uh, Father, open eyes and ears, and we give you honor in advance. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. All right. He begins in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Now, you may not always be able to rejoice over your particular situation, but even when things go sideways, you can always rejoice in the Lord because he's always faithful. He's always good. He's always strong. He's always more than enough. He's always present. He's always a help. He's always right there. So even though stuff is crazy, you can always rejoice in the Lord. Then he says again, he said it again because repetition is how the ancients uh, brought emphasis or stressed a particular point. He said, again, I will say. Now, it may seem strange to you that a man in prison would, uh, you know, tell people who are free to rejoice. But that's the point precisely. Our inner attitudes don't have to control our outward circumstances. Every minute you spend or we spend in bitterness, we lose 60 seconds of happiness. Let me ask you a question. Did you really have such a bad day? Did you really have such a bad week? Or maybe you just had a tough five minutes that you nursed all day long. You see, a lot of times it's not what happens, it's us. It's the way we handle things in our our frame of reference. He said, let your gentleness. The Greek word translated gentleness communicates the idea of being appropriate and uh, staying balanced. And what it means is you don't go from zero to 100 miles an hour in eight seconds. You aren't that person that, that just, just exploded and just go right there, just, just instantly, as soon as anything happens, you're, you're all the way there. It says, let your gentleness, watch this, be known to all men. When he speaks of all men, he's speaking about our reputation because he wants it to be known. So we don't want to have reputations for being messy. Right. Yeah. 
that's not, not what we want to be. We, we want to be the ones that people turn to when things go wrong. Not the person people hide things from because all the drama you're going to bring. Here's something that has helped me, a person that at times has had a, a hot temper in life. Sometimes the best way to, to handle a temper is with a pair of sneakers and a long walk. And sometimes you just gotta clear your head, count to 10, some of y'all 100, but do what you gotta do to make, remain balanced, keep your perspective, keep seeing things clearly. And then he says, and it seems like, what does this statement have to do with anything? But Paul's really talking about us maintaining perspective. He says, don't just flip off and go off and kirk out. He said, why? Because the Lord is at hand. He said, you need to keep your eye on the big picture. He's saying trouble's not going to last always. Keep your head. Jesus is coming back and everything crooked, he's going to make straight. And everything that's not quite right, everything you want to go off about, he is going to handle in the long term. Then he says, be anxious only when everybody else is. Be anxious when the stock market drops 600 points on a Friday. Be anxious when you don't know if the government going to shut down again. Be anxious when, you know, you're dealing with issues that are beyond your control. That's not what he says. He said, be anxious for nothing. Has anyone other than me ever woke up at night because you can't stop thinking? You see, worrying doesn't take your troubles away. It only takes away today's peace. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of his troubles. It just empties today of his strength. Your future hinges on your dreams. So go to sleep. Be anxious for no thing. This verse can also be translated, stop being anxious about everything. We have to learn to give it to God. He said, Bishop, I hear you, but, but, but I, I, I don't know how to let it go. How, how do I do it? I'm so glad that you asked. He said, but in everything, by prayer. This is where Christians annoy me, not you, it's the Christian next to you. When you're going through a hard time, they start judging you. Oh, you shouldn't be worried. Oh, stop being anxious. Wait, 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 wait. That's not what the Bible says. It says, it's not because you're a stoic. It is not because you just grit and bear it. The reason we're not anxious is because we've taken it to the Lord in prayer. Okay, stay with me. I'll unpack that shortly. He said, be anxious for nothing doesn't stop there, but in everything by prayer. So Paul is not saying that we should pretend we're not anxious when we're anxious, but to turn our worries into prayer. If Jesus can turn water into wine, 
He can turn my fear into faith. One thing I know about God, everyone who runs to him makes it. But in everything, there are no areas in our lives that are too small for God to be concerned about it. Just not. You know, the greatest paintings are created stroke by stroke. And it's the little details that makes the big beautiful and powerful. Scripture says, but in every worrisome, vexing, infuriating thing, we're to deal with it by prayer. This is why I pray so much. Not because I'm trying to be religious. Not because I'm trying to earn some type of merit badge to, to, to wear. The reason I pray so much is because I'm dealing with a real devil. I'm, I'm dealing with my own flesh. Every now and then I feel like doing that to, but for prayer. You hear what I'm saying? I'm living in an upside down world. And, and, and because of it, if, if I don't take it to him, I'm just left with myself. Left to myself, I'm in trouble. Prayer is the most important conversation you're going to have every day, all day long. Without prayer, I'm like Samson without my hair. Without prayer, I'm like David without a stone. Without prayer, I, I, I'm like Moses without a staff. I'm like Elijah without his mantle. I'm like Peter without his big foot in his mouth. Without prayer, I'm Superman without my telephone booth. Prayer is where I bring my anxieties and my worries. And I know I dated myself when I mentioned the phone booth because you don't see that in, 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 in Superman movies anymore. But Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. Close the door behind you. See, I, I know you got it together and you judge me if you see me angst, but you don't understand. If I get in my telephone booth, it's normal to feel anxiety. It's normal to have a, an emotional feeling when things aren't going right. And we're not to judge each other, poke each other. No, we'd encourage each other. He said, but in everything by prayer, and I can't quite explain it, but when I bring to God my anxiety, see, if I deny it, I never bring it to him. If I bring to him my worries, I can't explain it, but while I'm down on my knees and I'm, I'm pouring my heart out, I, I, some shifts on the inside and I, I start to feel my cape and, and I start to feel my, my red, white, and blue. And, 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 and you might think I'm just a strong person. No, that ain't so. What happened is I went into my, my, my closet. And when I went to God in prayer, Clark Kent turned to Superman. But it's not because Clark Kent is Superman. Clark Kent is Clark Kent. It's only after he goes into the booth. And what you got to do is find your booth. 
problem is you're dealing with calamity and challenges as Clark. And God's saying, come to me, all you labor, heavy battle. I'll give you the, come to me. And somehow in that prayer closet, there's this transformation. The wind starts blowing, your cape starts doing, and you're leaping over builders in a single bound, and, and it's amazing. Some people wrongly think my strength is up here. No, my strength is in my telephone booth. My strength is in the prayer closet. When, when, when I'm dealing with can't, and God turns it into something super. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't deny your can't. Just bring your can't into the closet. And God will, will shift it and change it, turn your fears into faith. But in everything by prayer. We tend to use prayer as the last resort. But God intends it to be the first line of defense. But here is what may disappoint you. Prayer will not always be an emotional experience. You're not always going to pray at the top of your lungs. You're not always going to feel it. You're not always going to like it. Because prayer is first about believing it. Mark 11, 24, let's dig in just a little bit. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. And here's the challenge. You can't believe further than what you think about someone. Meaning, if you think I'm generous and I love you, you're going to probably believe that I have something for you if you came to me. But if you think I'm mad at you, if you think I'm angry, if you think I'm, I'm bitter and I'm petty, and that's what you think of me, when you have trouble, you're really not going to come to me. Prayer begins by learning the true nature of God and his promises. No one wants to call up someone on the phone that's about to fuss them out. And the reason many of us don't pray is because of our concept of God. We don't want to talk to someone mad at us. We don't want to talk to someone trying to get us. We don't want to talk to the person who put that disease on us, that problem on us. And because of that, we avoid him. But when you discover his true nature, that he's a friend that sticks it closer than a brother. When you discover that he's really the only one on your side. When you discover that he cares about you and he'll hear you and, and, and walk you through it. When you understand that and believe that about him, it becomes easy to bring your burdens to the Lord. He said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will what? Have them. Didn't say you got to feel it. He said, believe it. And you will what? Have it. Faith today stands for forwarding all issues to heaven. Prayer is the key, but faith is the knob. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, we're going to look at some scriptures about this. For all the promises of God in him, 
are yes. So if God promised it, the short answer is yes. You can have it in Jesus. And in him, amen. You see, when we believe the promises, the devil says, oh, no. But God in heaven says, amen. I enjoy your amens. I like your amens. But you know what? Your amen doesn't matter as much as Jesus' amen. And you don't have to like me or like my praying. But when God says amen, it is finished. It is done. All the promises, that's why you got to know these promises. That's why we go line by line every week to learn these promises. All, the, all of them, not some of them, not the easy ones, not the more accessible ones, not, not, not the ones that, you know, are, are difficult in our culture and our time. All the promises in God, in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Meaning God gets glory when he answers our prayers. The only thing I want you to remember is to trust God is also to trust his timing. And that's where we... But to trust him is to know at the right time he'll do what he said he'll do. Here's another, John, 1 John 5 and 14. Now, this is the confidence. God wants us to have some confidence that we have in him. It brings a father no glory to have insecure and unsure children. So if you're part of the heavenly family, that there ought to be a certain level of swag that represents the family you belong to. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not confident because I'm something. I'm confident because he's everything. And when you just spoke to everything about something, there's a confidence you can't explain. When you go to daddy God with your situation, talk about the Godfather, whatever father, but I'm talking about daddy God, the creator of the ends of the earth. When I go to him as his child, but my issue, yes. I done tapped into the highest office in the, in, in, in the universe. Yes. And when I leave that office and then I, I leave his presence knowing he heard me, yes. what you say really doesn't matter yes. anymore. Yes. He said, this is the confidence we have if we ask anything. Not just the small things, not just some things. Anything according to his will is the only limitation. If we do it, he hears us. Our general prayers don't have to rise any higher than a believing heart and a moving mouth in order for God to hear. This is something else I learned. Prayer either changes my situation or changes me. But prayer changes things. So I don't know if you got to change or your situation got to change. But when you bring it to God in prayer, something's about to change. 
That's the power of prayer. John 16 and 23. One more scripture and we'll go back. Jesus is speaking. If you ever read Letter Bible, this is read. In that day, he's speaking about after his death. There's a whole context, but we're not going to lay that out. He's speaking to the disciples. In that day, after I go to the cross, after I leave the earth, you will ask me nothing. This is an order. He's looking at me. When I go, you will ask me for nothing. You see, after he gave everything at the cross, we have no business asking Jesus for anything else. I know I'm messing with your thinking here. The only thing we have to say to Jesus, Maranatha, come back, Lord. You come soon, Lord. Come quickly. Jesus' only assignment was redemption. He said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his assignment, and that's what he came to do. But let's keep reading. Most assuredly, meaning I know this is going to trouble you, and I know it's going to be a challenge and everything, so I got to put this verily, verily in front of it, let you know that I'm not playing, I'm serious. Most assuredly, I say to you, now I used to talk to the Father, but now you. Whatever you ask, who? The Father in my name. So I recognize what the deacon board in your last church taught you and how they prayed. But Jesus is saying we don't pray to Jesus. His role was only redemption, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They don't intrude on each other's space. The Father doesn't go down to nobody's cross. The Holy Spirit doesn't ask the Father for a body. Jesus' role was redemption. And when he said he was finished or it is finished, There was nothing left in redemption's regard. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.